It is Thursday, August 8th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola, and we have a big trade to get to in a minute. If you are on our email list or you frequent DraftSharks.com, you've already heard about it. You've gotten some of our immediate analysis. You might have even seen how we've changed our rankings in the wake of the trade. On DraftSharks.com, you can also find the last of our big three articles from every year posted today. It's the first round bust. It joins the breakout player, joins the comeback player. They're all live on the site now. If you're not already a DS Insider, become one today to read about all those guys. Take advantage of everything available to you. It's August, folks. The drafts are coming up if you haven't already started them. Now, Jared, I'm not going to waste any more time because we finally got the move that we've all been waiting for. There have been plenty of times where we do this podcast, we wrap it, and then some news breaks that would have changed what we recorded. But this time, the Browns and the Texans got together to give us something to talk about on this podcast. It had been too quiet in these first, you know, you know, few weeks of training camp. So I'm happy we got something here to really react to. Um, yeah, so Duke Johnson heading to the Texans, and let's talk about the compensation because it's a fourth round pick that will become a third rounder if Duke Johnson just plays ten games for the Texans this season. So it's pretty much a third round pick, and that's that's a pretty significant, you know, investment by Houston for a running back nowadays. I agree. I hadn't even realized that that was the what he had to do to trigger it to become a third rounder. That's certainly not. Uh, high bar to clear so we've all complained about Duke Johnson being underused in in his time in Cleveland but over the four seasons since he entered the league only Theo Riddick and James White among running backs have more receptions Duke Johnson sits at 235 over that span that's 48 ahead of number four on the list which is Todd Gurley and Christian McCaffrey tied Duke Johnson also ranks third among running backs in targets over that span First at the position in receiving yards, so he's been a productive receiver. And I think that we would both agree, and more than just the two of us would agree, I'm sure, that that's the area he's most likely to deliver with the Texans because it's an area that Lamar Miller hasn't exactly smashed. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I will say, though, you know, when I updated these projections, I actually ended up taking like two catches away from, from Duke Johnson, um, j- just how it worked out with the numbers. I mean, it's, it is crowded in Houston. I don't think we're going to see Duke get, you know, to 100 targets there or anything like that. But I'm actually more excited about his ball carrying upside and his rushing upside in Houston. Um, yeah, I think Miller is the better bet to, you know, still lead that team in carries, you know, probably by a pretty significant margin. But you could easily see Duke Johnson set a new career high in carries this season. It's definitely a better situation going from playing behind Nick Chubb and then eventually Kareem Hunt to now playing behind Lamar Miller. So I think you know, I'm excited to see how Houston envisions using Duke Johnson on the ground on early downs. Yeah, I agree with you that Duke Johnson doesn't necessarily gain target upside here, but he does gain the chance of potentially running the ball more and taking some more carries away from the starter. He would not have done that to a healthy Nick Chubb in Cleveland. He certainly could do that to a healthy Lamar Miller in Houston. The two of them both went to the same college. They did not overlap at Miami, though. Uh, Duke Johnson started there the year after uh, Lamar Miller left. Duke Johnson was much more productive in college than Lamar Miller was. 6.7 yards per carry career versus 5.7 for Miller. 10.4 yards per catch career versus Miller's 6.5. Johnson even had a higher 
final season of total carries, 242. Miller's top, Miller topped out at 227 and a high of 38 receptions. Miller topped out at 17. So he's going to a spot where Duke Johnson might be the better running back. Like you said, I don't think that he's going to take away the lead job from Lamar Miller. Uh, I do think that he's going to take the lead receiving job, but I don't think Lamar Miller's really going to see that much less. He already went 2.2, 2.3, 1.8 receptions per game over the past three seasons. I, I don't think Lamar Miller is really going to fall from that level. Right. I, I think I took like 10 targets away from Miller in our projections and it dropped him a few spots in the rankings. It sort of dropped him from maybe low end RB2 range more into high end RB3 range. And we'll see. I mean, people already didn't want to draft Lamar Miller. Duke Johnson arriving is you know, going to knock him down ADP even farther. So he he might still end up being a value. Duke Johnson, his rushing volume projection basically doubled in our projections. Um, and you know he he's now up into running back three range in PPR. Again, like with Miller, we're, we're going to have to see where folks are drafting Duke Johnson now. Yeah, I, I like the move up our rankings for Duke Johnson. I would be curious to see what happens to his ADP. Lamar Miller, in the short time since Deontay Foreman got dropped, had not really moved up in ADP because we're all looking for a reason to not want to draft Lamar Miller and to keep him where he was. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he sinks even you know a little bit further from his value range. So I expect yeah. Miller to remain a draft value. The good thing here is that we now don't have to try to talk ourselves into liking Lamar Miller more. All right, I wouldn't be surprised to see... Duke Johnson going ahead of Lamar Miller in PPR drafts, just 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 knowing how people feel about those two guys in general. And it's not crazy to think that, you know, Duke Johnson could outproduce Lamar Miller in PPR leagues, but you know, Miller still sits ahead of him right now in our rankings. Yeah. Duke Johnson falls in an interesting range in our PPR rankings, right alongside uh Deion Lewis, Chris Thompson, Naheem Hines, similar backs, mm-hmm. receiving heavy, all good reception bets. I do think that in that range, Duke Johnson, Deion Lewis, Naheem Hines beat Chris Thompson because I think those three have more carry upside as handcuffs if the starters in their backfield go down. And like I said before, I think there's a chance that Duke Johnson takes some rushing work away from Lamar Miller, even without Miller getting hurt. Right. I, I would put Duke Johnson in there with Deion Lewis as the guys who like have a legitimate shot to top 100 carries without an injury to the guys in, in front of them. So, you know, in that range, I definitely I, I would probably draft Duke Johnson first at this point, just just for the upside. Yeah, I agree with that. Back in Cleveland, meanwhile, Nick Chubb gets a bump even with you, right? Yeah, I feel like an idiot now for just fading Nick Chubb, you know, in, in the middle to back half of round two now, because my concern all along was just the pass catching upside. I didn't really think it was there with, with Duke Johnson around. But now, I mean, I think Chubb should be a, a pretty clear, you know, workhorse three down back, at least for the first half of the season. The Kareem Hunt thing over the second half is still a concern. But yeah, Chubb made a pretty nice move up our rankings. And he's a guy I'd now consider definitely anywhere inside, you know, round two, even even the starter round two at this point. Does he make it into late round one consideration for you? Maybe. I mean, so he's sitting 10th right now in our running back rankings. Um, and, you know, I'd probably still take Kelsey over, over him and maybe a few wide receivers. So it feels more like an early second round pick to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll be watching to see what happens to his ADP. I, I certainly think he's in consideration around the one-two turn. It's an argument for 
drafting on talent a little bit if you did find Nick Chubb in the first half of round two or middle of round two. But of course, none of us can really know how these situations are going to change. So you do have to consider it when you're drafting. Behind Nick Chubb, it looks like Dontrell Hilliard's the number two back, at least until Kareem Hunt returns, unless Cleveland does something else, of course. Right. I was just going to mention Hilliard. Um, I, I just read an article from The Athletic, sort of an instant you know, analysis of the trade, and it sounds like Hilliard's performance in training camp is sort of part of the reason the Browns felt you know, fine moving Duke Johnson. So Hilliard, not a guy I would be drafting at this point. Um, but I'll be watching the preseason to see if, you know, they really do use Chubb as a three down back or if Hilliard is going to sort of step into that Duke Johnson role. Yeah, and I would be interested in Hilliard if we didn't have Kareem Hunt coming back in the second half of the season, but I am not interested in a first half of the season, unproven handcuff behind what should be a workhorse. Yeah, I agree. Just a name to know, you know, because if something does happen to Chubb at this point, you know, Hilliard's the next guy up now. Any other effects on other players, either in Houston or Cleveland, that you're any guys you're changing your draft plan for now? Not, you know, majorly, I would say. I mean, I, I think Deshaun Watson gets a small boost, at least just adding another weapon. I'm also wondering, too, what do you think about, you know, Duke hurting, especially Kiki Cutie, who, you know, sort of does more of that short range stuff. I mean, if Duke Johnson's going to see all these targets that, you know, we didn't think were going to Lamar Miller, you know, I, I think those targets have to come from somewhere. I think there's certainly more risk to Cutie at this point, who had already climbed out of nice value range and into, I'll take a shot or two on him just to make sure I don't miss out if he explodes. So yeah, I think there's a little bit more risk and I think it makes it more worth not overreaching to get cutie, but I wouldn't move him down significantly. Yeah. And then in um, Cleveland, I think, you know, maybe there's a few extra targets available now, you know, guys like Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, who maybe will take some of that shorter range work that Duke Johnson was going to see, but you know, not, not major moves in the rankings for those guys. Yeah. I agree with you on both sides. Now, so Nick Chubb is is moving up the rankings. He's moving up in consideration likely. Might be in the round one mix for some people. So you're going to want to know your draft slot as you're preparing for your drafts coming up. If you're playing in the FFPC main event, then you'll want to register your team by this Tuesday, August 13th. Do so and you will you will learn your draft position by Thursday the 15th. That will allow you to hone your specific strategy to gain an edge on your opponents. Head over to myffpc.com today. That's myffpc.com. Register your team. Add more entries while you're there. You can save hundreds of dollars with the multi-team discount. Now, Jared, we're going to move on from the Duke Johnson trade. We're going to get to our second podcast mailbag. Got some questions from Facebook and Twitter users. And let's start in the backfield and in the late round one stage. Adam Pearson on Facebook asks, is Joe Mixon a reach at number nine in a 12-man PPR league? And I think that most folks who've been listening to the show would already know our answer to that. Right, yeah. According to our projections, he's not a reach there. And I've actually taken Mixon as early as eighth overall. The the one caveat I'd have here is that Mixon's ADP on uh, drafts over the last week now is down to 204. So he's going early to mid second round. So he's a guy I like, but I don't love him so much where I like need to have him. So it might make more sense to take someone like, you know, maybe go wide receiver, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, and then and then just, you know, kind of cross your fingers that Mixon makes it back to you in round two. I agree because although I do like Mixon and I do think he's in for plenty of work, I'm not going to be heartbroken if somebody takes him at the turn and I'm taking somebody else. He did Mixon did rank fourth in the league in carries per game last year. Just 18th though among running backs in targets. 
and receptions. I expect that to come up because Mixon is a very talented receiver, showed that in college. I think he ranks among the better receivers at his position in the league already. But there are certainly other guys, Dalvin Cook, James Conner, the top shelf wideouts. So if the ADP is down at that range, I agree with you. At, at nine, it's not a reach to take Mixon, but I'm not, I wouldn't call him the guy I'm definitely taking every time that he makes it there. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, with guys like James Conner, Dalvin Cook, even Todd Gurley at this point, I feel sort of good about at least one of those guys making it back to you in round two. So if you do want to make sure you get you know an upper end running back, there, there's going to be at least one of them for you in the second round. Yeah. And just to be clear, I think we're both still taking Mixon over Cook, Connor, and Gurley if you're taking the running back at nine, right? Yeah, I am. But again, you know, I think the, the gap between those guys is, isn't big enough to you know say I need to have Joe Mixon. At Joey Spivey on Twitter, in a super flex, what are your thoughts on waiting for the second QB and how long the league includes six-point passing touchdowns and PPR scoring, quote, with a ton of bonus points? Jared, what do you think here? Yeah, I mean, not sure what the bonus points are, but I don't think it would impact my strategy. And neither does the six-point passing touchdowns. We talked about that in the mailbag last week, how it doesn't impact the relative value of quarterbacks. So first of all, in in a super flex league, I ideally want to get three starting quarterbacks because I want that third guy for bye weeks and if an injury strikes because you want a quarterback in that, you know, super flex spot whenever possible. Um, as for, you know, when to take your second quarterback, there's 20 guys right now that I, I would feel good about, you know, having, if I can just get any two of those guys um, in super flex. And that tier sort of ends with guys like Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo. Carr's two quarterback ADP right now is sitting in the eighth round. So to me, that's sort of the spot where, you know, by round eight, I would want to have my second quarterback. Yeah. And that's the range where I would target that second quarterback. It, it, it's going to vary by league how quickly these guys fly off the board. I think that the risk is getting caught up in the the QB run, thinking you're going to miss out totally and reaching and just getting the next guy as opposed to a value. There has to be some assessment of the draft you're in, which is easier to do, of course, if you're drafting in a league you, you draft in every year. I would probably expand my range a little bit farther than the the names you mentioned, maybe down to like 24, 25. Mm -hmm. I do want to not take my second one too early, though. The same thing, like we said last week on the the question about six-point passing touchdowns, I think that when your league mates are overreaching for the position in general, you can get higher value by looking at other positions instead. And the thing about Superflex, I would like you – try to get three quarterbacks. And if I'm setting up an MVP board for a super flex, I might start out with it as a two quarterback lead Mm -hmm. in my board setup to just to try to get QBs valued as though I'm going to be starting two a week. But I wouldn't treat it as though I need three quarterbacks because especially if you get two good ones, two guys that you can use pretty much every week, you don't have to have that third one because he's mostly just going to be a bi-week filler, maybe a matchup here or there. So that's where I would not overreach for the third and take you know Dwayne Haskins just because he's the last quarterback left when you're taking him over a good wide receiver option, for example. Yeah, that's a good, good point. There is more flexibility, obviously, in the super flex leagues where, you know, you can use a, a different position in that super flex spot for bye weeks I would say, you know, whether you get a third quarterback to me would depend on you know, the quality of your first two. If you are waiting super late and end up with, you know, Derek Carr and Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd be more apt to take a third. But if you take, you know, your first guy like Carson Wentz and even get someone like, you know, a Dak Prescott as your second quarterback, I think, you know, you'd be okay 
in that case, you know, starting those two guys for their, you know, 15 games and then just using maybe a running back or a wide receiver in your super flex for the you know two weeks those guys are on by. Yeah, I agree with that. And the range for a third quarterback, Nick Foles, Andy, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, looks like a good trio that's going to last well down the board as long as your league is not gobbling up quarterbacks too fast. Right, yeah. Based on the ADP data we have, those guys are going in the 10th or 11th round of the Superflex leagues. James Bailey on Twitter in a 10-man full PPR keeper league. He is keeping Devontae Adams at a second-round value. He has pick number six overall. With top-tier running backs gone, should I draft Le'Veon Bell or go Michael Thomas or Odell Beckham? Jared, what are you doing at six here? So I would say, first of all, don't let the fact that you have Devontae Adams sway your decision this early in the draft. I would just I would just take the best player available. And to me, you know, you're probably looking at Joe Mixon, James Conner, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. Uh, again, if I'm fine drafting a wide receiver, even with Adams on my roster, I'm also fine, you know, taking a running back if that if that's the best guy available. Yeah, I agree with that. It's probably not going to be Bell for me because I would rather take Michael Thomas or Odell Beckham than Bell. You know, if Mixon or Connor or Nick Chubb is available, I think those guys are worth considering in that range. And Travis Kelsey might not be kept in this format. He's a fine pick there, especially the smaller the league gets, the easier it is to take somebody at a one starter position like that and still get fine value at the other spots. Yep, totally agree there. Again, I, I think the big takeaway with these keeper leagues is, you know, go best player available early, regardless of, you know, what you're entering the draft, but then you can obviously start to fill needs in the middle rounds. Right. I think we've both said before that we're fine with starting a draft with two pass catchers at this point, and that's been mostly focused on 12-team drafts. It's even easier to do so in a 10-team. Right. Sean LaFell on Facebook is playing in a 12-team full PPR league. He's wondering, do I keep Aaron Jones or Dalvin Cook? Doesn't say anything about whether pick value mm-hmm. comes into account. I don't know if he's getting around. I'm assuming that it doesn't matter and you're just choosing between the players here. And if there is no consideration for the round value for the kept player, then you keep the one that you would draft first. Yeah, and I mean, I, I love Aaron Jones, but it, it's pretty easily Dalvin Cook to me. The concern with both guys is durability, but when they're healthy, you know, I still think Dalvin Cook's a bigger talent, and I think he's a safer Valium bet. You know, he, he doesn't have Jamal Williams, Dexter Williams to contend with. It's just Alex Madison. The Vikings obviously made a, a bigger investment in Cook than the Packers did in Aaron Jones. So I think I think it's Cook pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Dalvin Cook was a second round pick in the same draft where Aaron Jones went in round five. Aaron Jones wasn't even the first running back picked by the Packers that year. And as you said, Dalvin Cook's a clear lead back, might be a workhorse back if he stays healthy this year for Minnesota. Jones, meanwhile, I like him too, but he also has multiple knee sprains, some hamstring issues behind him. So it's not like we're talking about injury prone Dalvin Cook versus healthy Aaron Jones. So Dalvin Cook pretty easily, I think. Yep. At RodLS11 on Twitter says, what's your reasoning behind having O.J. Howard below Evan Ingram and Hunter Henry in your rankings? And because I'm the one suppressing Jared's love for O.J. Howard, I'm going to go ahead and start this one. And the big thing for me is volume, especially in the case of Evan Ingram. Uh, Evan Ingram's upside in, in terms of target volume, I think, includes the possibility of leading all tight ends and targets. I think he could lead the Giants and targets. I think he could get to 125, 130 targets if he's healthy in a Giants offense that really doesn't have a whole lot going for it at this point. And it's not just volume. He's also a good player. He's a first-round pick. He has elite speed for tight ends, good size. He's been a red zone focal point. Uh, so he has downfield ability, he has run after the catch ability. I know the quarterback situation doesn't look great, but – 
I bet on the combination of, of talent and volume for Ingram. And then Hunter Henry has been a high touchdown rate guy, a red zone weapon, even while sharing the field with Antonio Gates. So now Gates should be gone. I, I'm still crossing <laughs> my fingers that we don't get that late addition of Antonio Gates to the roster again. But Hunter Henry works with easily the best QB of any of these three tight ends uh, in Phillip Rivers. So I feel more comfortable with him versus O.J. Howard. And now I'll let you talk about O.J. Howard. Yeah, I'm not going to say too much about Howard. I mean, I, I do like Howard over Hunter Henry, but, you know, it, it, it's a slim margin. Um, but Evan Ingram is my favorite among these three um, that sort of got locked in with the Golden Tate suspension. I think, think that's going to give you know, Ingram a boost over the first four weeks. And, yeah, like you said, it's really just volume. I mean, our projections right now have Evan Ingram for 110 targets versus 90 for Hunter Henry, 84 for OJ Howard. That, that's a pretty big gap, you know, in favor of Ingram there. And also, you know, like you said, it's it's not like Ingram is some chump. I mean, former first round pick, 93rd percentile spark score, actually more athletic in pre-draft testing than OJ Howard and Hunter Henry. And Ingram's produced in fantasy for us already, actually better than these other two guys for his career, 11 and a half PPR points per game for Evan Ingram versus 9.2 for OJ Howard. 8.9 for Hunter Henry. And yeah, Howard and Henry are likely to see more volume this season, but I think Ingram's volume, you know, should stay where it has been and probably even get a boost with Odell Beckham gone. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the basic facts here, we're talking about three talented guys. We're talking about three guys who should be relatively featured in their offense. Ingram wins on volume. I would not be shocked if OJ Howard outscores the other two, but I'm not betting on it. Yep, exactly. At Wild at Faith on Twitter uh, says he wants a sneaky QB, a deep QB grab, and a 12-team auction looking to spend the money elsewhere. Jared, I think that you have a specific quarterback target here, right? Yeah, and I, first of all, I think it's a smart strategy going cheap at quarterback and you know using that money to load up at other spots. And my, my top target would be Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you know, the guy finished quarterback 13 in points per game last year. I, I think you know, he, he should still be getting better, too. Just his second full season as a starter. He has some continuity in you know, his second season in Matt Nagy's offense. He has all of his top five target getters back from last season. Allen Robinson, who I think should be healthier after the ACL two years ago. Anthony Miller should be healthier after dealing with the shoulder injury last year. Taylor Gabriel back. Trey Burton back. Tariq Cohen back. Bears also return all five of their starting offensive linemen. So it's just an offense I like in general. And I think Trubisky sort of you know gets you pieces of everyone. Yeah, let's hope he's still getting better because he's still not that good a real-life football player yet. That is true. Yep. <laughs> but that's beside the point. Uh, I agree with Trubisky as a target. I think the key here will be – this is a very good year to uh, not look to overspend a quarterback because there will be options available. And I think the key is to not go in with just one target. I think it's absolutely fine to go in with somebody like Trubisky as your top target. But – Make sure that you have a few others that you can pivot to if Trubisky's price climbs uh, beyond what it normally is in your particular auction. Philip Rivers is another potential target. Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, even Dak Prescott could go for less than he should. And, and I think, you know, you, if the lower you go down the QB list, the more I would want to get two of them. Yeah. And it's certainly quite possible to get two of these quarterbacks for less than any then a bunch of others will cost on their own and if you can't get two in the range that we just started even stash somebody like Andy Dalton Marcus Mariota or Sam Darnold for a dollar you get some upside yeah I agree with getting a second quarterback and you know assuming your your bench is deep enough where you're not sacrificing depth at, at the other spots 
Clayton Jones on Facebook asks, am I right to be skeptical of Damian Williams? And I think that we've probably answered that quite a bit so far, but it never hurts to talk about it again, especially now that he's back on the field. Uh, yes, you should be skeptical of Damian Williams. And that's not to say he can't pay off his price tag right now. I mean, I think you know he has upside into the top 12 just being in this Chiefs offense, but we just haven't seen him in a feature role, really in the NFL or in college. So in the NFL, he has just one game with more than 13 carries that came in last year's playoffs. He has just seven games with double digit carries. Then even in his two seasons at Oklahoma, he averaged just 13.2 carries per game. And he only had six outings of 16 plus carries. So he, you know, he's never really done it. And of course he's already been dealing with a hamstring injury back on the practice field now, but you know, we'll have to see if his body holds up even throughout, you know, the rest of August here. As unexcited as you might be about drafting Carlos Hyde or Darwin Thompson, you were absolutely less excited about Damian Williams at this time last year because we are drafting Carlos Hyde. We are drafting Darwin Thompson, a sixth-round rookie. At this time last year, we were not drafting Damian Williams. He was probably available on the waiver wire in a bunch of dynasty leagues even. So I agree that as the Chiefs starting running back, which he is, he can finish in RB1 range. The fact that he is going 12th, among running backs at last look is ridiculous. There's no way he should be going ahead of players such as Melvin Gordon, Nick Chubb. That might change at this mm-hmm. point. So, yes, you should absolutely be skeptical of Damian Williams and not considering him at ADP. Yep, you got it. At Trekker34 on Twitter, how many games do you think Melvin Gordon plays this year? And nobody has the answer to this question. But, Jared, let's go ahead and try to answer. What do you think? Yeah, I, I I wish I knew. I still think the most likely outcome is he reports before week one and you know is on the field for the opener. Sounds like from what I've read that he needs to play six games this season to accrue a season towards free agency. Basically, if he plays less than six games, he'll be right back in this position next year. So I think that that's like the floor, which obviously would not be good if you only get six games out of him. But Gordon's ADP continues to drop. Uh, over the last week on draft, he's going in the early third round now. Yeah, and I, you know, certainly the longer he sits out, the more risk there is. But it, it's tough for me to pass on him in round mm-hmm. two. I'm certainly not going to pass on him if he makes it to me in round three. You know, unless we're on the doorstep of the season and he still hasn't reported. We have seen a Charger, Vincent Jackson, a while back, not report until late in the season to accrue that that season. But it has not happened with other holdout guys. I don't think it'll happen. And all we can do is guess at this point. And, you know, as we said back when the holdout first became real, it's not the same situation as Le'Veon Bell last year because Le'Veon Bell was a free agent after the season because the Steelers didn't want to franchise him again or transition him or whatever. If Melvin Gordon sits out a season, he's right back in the exact same scenario next year with the Chargers. Yeah, and, 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 you know, this kind of stuff's always a matter of personal preference, just how much risk you're willing to take. I don't think it's wrong to pass on Melvin Gordon, especially when we're talking about, you know, other guys in this, you know, late second, early th- third round range who have plenty of upside. But I'm willing to gamble more in fantasy league. So I, and I think, you know, Gordon in round two and especially in round three could really, you know, be a league winner if you get 16 games out of them. I agree with that. And that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to check out the rankings, see who has moved up or down after the Duke-Johnson trade, find out who our first-round bust is, read about the breakout and comeback picks for this year, and just dig into all the goodness that comes with being a DS insider. We got a 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're not satisfied... We'll give it back to you, but I think you will be. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 